0: Chapter 22 of Harry D. Or Making It Out. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Moon Lilith. Harry D. Or Making It Out by Francis J. Finn. Chapter 22, in which Percy Wynne goes barefoot for the first and only time in his life. Harry, said Percy to me, just before night prayers, I want you to keep your eyes on Broadhead. Why? What's anarchist up to? That's just what I'd like to find out. During first recess, while Tom and Tip and myself were walking up and down talking about the silver watch we're going to buy Mr. Arbor, Broadhead came up and called Tom and awful name. And what did Tom do? He asked the anarchist whether he wouldn't take some candy. Then the anarchist became furious and offered to fight. Tom only laughed. Broadhead rushed on him, but Tip and I got hold of his arms and held him. The anarchist really seemed to foam at the mouth and said, never mind, I'll get even with you fellows pretty quick too. And he walked off swearing in an awful way. The anarchist is a pretty hard nut, I said. But is Tom nervous? Nervous? I should say not. And there's just the trouble. It's my opinion that Broadhead means mischief. He's a bad boy, and from all I've seen of him this year, of a very revengeful disposition. We better look out for him. I now follow Percy's account. That night he tossed restlessly upon his bed, unable to sleep, for thinking of Broadhead's words and conduct. It was hard upon midnight when he fell into a troubled sleep. His vision centered about Tom. Tom was standing upon the edge of a precipice. Stealthily creeping upon him was Broadhead. Percy essayed to shout out a warning, but his tongue seemed to be tied. Again and again, he tried to shout, but to no purpose. Nearer and nearer crept Broadhead. Nearer and nearer, and still Tom was unconscious of his imminent danger. Percy tried to pray, but words of prayer came not. Suddenly, the anarchist made a spring upon Tom, and Percy's best friend, with a loud cry, disappeared over the edge. The cry seemed to awaken Percy. He found himself sitting up in bed with drops of perspiration rolling down his face. How eagerly he thanked God that it was but a dream. He jumped from his bed and ran over to Tom. His friend was sleeping soundly, his face tranquil and composed, pillowed upon his arm. Percy then looked towards Broadhead's bed and gave a start. Broadhead was not there. Not stopping to think, but acting by a sort of intuition, Percy pulled on his knee breeches, and bareheaded and barefooted, hastened to the dormitory door. It was locked. Broadhead, therefore, must have made his way out through one of the two windows giving upon the shed at the eastern end of the dormitory. To get out of either of these windows, it was necessary to pass over a sleeping form. Mr. Middleton was in one bed, Here he Quip in the other. On first thought, Percy determined to go out through mister Middleton's window. He knew that his teacher, like many hard energetic workers, was an extremely sound sleeper, and he felt certain that he could thus escape unobserved. But even then, Percy's strong sense of reverence and respect asserted itself, and he chose the other window. Harry Quip, as Percy's foot pressed upon his bed, Gave a light start. But before he had opened his eyes, our midnight adventurer was upon the sloping roof of the shed. The ground, twelve feet below him, was rough and stony. Ordinarily, Percy would not have thought of jumping down, even in his shoes. But on this occasion, he gave himself no time, but dropped at once. A sharp pain ran through his foot as he touched ground a pain to which he gave no attention. Off he dashed, this barefooted boy, for dear life, toward the study hall. And it was well that he had done so, for as he came near, he saw plainly, by the light of the moon in its third quarter, Broadhead jumping out of the window. Broadhead, on the instant, saw him too, and at once took to his heels, making towards the college gate with a start of at least 400 feet. Now for a long run, thought Percy, and he fell into a slower but steady long distance pace. To understand what follows, it should be stated that Broadhead was supposed to be, with the exception of Tom, the strongest boy in the small yard. He was thick-set, with very strong legs and arms, and if his own account could be believed, the hero of many a fight. He had begun his career in St. Mars by thrashing some five or six of the Dodgers. Consequently, he was highly esteemed by a large number. He was an athlete, too. On the churning pole, he was second to none, and in baseball, he succeeded Donnell as the heavy hitter. Such was the boy that Percy the Gentle, who had never yet engaged in a fight, was now pursuing. Percy was slightly taller, but he was lighter by at least 15 pounds. Broadhead, on passing through the gate, turned eastward toward Pawnee Creek. Whether he knew who was his pursuer or not, it is impossible to say. Probably he suspected that a man, perhaps even a college official, was after him. Whatever was the case, he ran at full speed and for the first five minutes he continued to increase the distance between himself and his pursuer. Percy, meanwhile, held an even pace, breathing quite easily. Very soon, Broadhead lost his wind. He was forced to go slower, and saw himself that unless something be done, his capture would be a question of time. Percy saw it too, and wondered what he should do upon their coming together. His deliberations were cut short, for Broadhead, who had reached a part on the track just opposite a spot on the highway where repairs were being made, suddenly dashed aside to a pile of stones, and before Percy was aware of his purpose, sent one of these missiles at Percy's head. Percy paused while another and another and another stone flew past him. To go nearer would inevitably lead to his being knocked senseless. Broadhead was throwing With all his force. Suddenly, a light flashed upon him. Just three days before, Frank Burdock had received from his father a toy pistol. Now, Frank happened to have at that time no room for it among the curiosities that swelled his pockets. So, partly as a matter of convenience, partly to show favor to the boy whom he delighted to honor, he had entrusted it to Percy's care. Drawing from his pocket, Percy covered Broadhead, if you don't drop those stones, Broadhead, I'll shoot. There was prompt obedience. Is that you, Percy Wynn? Percy never answered, but moved on steadily, still covering his antagonist. Say, put down that pistol. Percy paused. I won't hurt you if you don't move. Promise to stand perfectly quiet and I'll put it down i promise still holding the pistol in his hand but pointed toward the ground percy walked forward till he stood face to face with broadhead hello cried broadhead you fooled me that's a toy pistol just so answered percy but it has served its purpose what do you want anyhow Is it any of your business if i choose to run away from school percy paused to nerve himself. Bob Broadhead, I want to examine you. To examine me? Yes. I want to go through your pockets and see what you're carrying away. There were $20 in Tip's box in the study hall last night. Do you mean to say I stole them? No, but I mean to find out. I'll tell you what, Wynn. I'm going to give you the worst thrashing you ever heard about. Maybe but you're not going to get away till I know what you're taking with you. Percy had restored the pistol to its place and was watching every move of his adversary. Oh, you want to fight, do you? No, indeed. I'd prefer not to, but I've got to find out at any cost what you're taking away. Broadhead laughed. He knew there wasn't a milder boy in Kansas than Percy. You don't clear off, he said contemptuously. I'll smash in your face. Once more, said Percy. Will you show me what you've got? Broadhead folded his arms and laughed again. Tom, Playfair isn't around to back you up, Wynn. Well, I'm going to go through your pockets anyhow, Broadhead. He took one step forward. Broadhead met him halfway and would have closed with him. But Percy who had come to the conclusion that he had a right to search Broadhead now that he was certain that he had to do with a thief, and who was resolved to use every lawful means to attain his end, at once drew back. He feared that in a wrestling bout, he would be no match for his heavy muscular opponent. Several quick blows were parried on both sides. When Percy succeeded in striking Broadhead, a blow under the chin, that sent him staggering. Before Broadhead could recover himself, Percy delivered two very telling blows, which sent the thief to the earth. On the instant, Percy was astride him, pinioning his legs by the position he took, and holding him down in such a manner that Broadhead could scarcely move hand or foot. Now, Broadhead, you see how I've got you, Percy began when he felt sure of his position. Unless you want to get thrashed, hand over that money. I won't. Very well. I'll give you a half hour or so to think about it. And there Percy sat for several minutes. It was a cold night. The stars, calm and soft, gazed down upon the bareheaded, barefooted, delicate, gentle faced small boy who, though he shivered at times, did not seem to realize that a light undershirt and a pair of knee breeches were very inadequate garments for such a vigil. The stars too must have seen a trail of blood upon this strange boy's right leg. Ah, but the soles of his feet Percy had never gone barefoot in the course of all his summerings, and the many lines and gashes that marked his souls could not be seen for the blood that was flowing from them there was a time when percy would have fainted at the sight of blood now he gave it but a passing thought as he stared straight into the eyes of his prostrate foe but though he seemed to be intent on staring broadhead out of countenance he was feeling his way for the money by moving his legs now one way now another, he satisfied himself that there was nothing in Broadhead's trouser pockets but a pocket knife and one or two small articles. As Percy knew that the money had been tied up in a handkerchief, he could infer that there was no necessity of taking Broadhead's vest into account. It followed then that the money must be in the boy's coat pocket, but which pocket, in order to carry out his plan Percy must make no mistake. He must know the right pocket, or his whole plan would fail and the struggle would have to begin again. Broadhead had neglected to take his overcoat with him. The coat he wore had two outside pockets, one on the right and one on the left. With these data before him, Percy reasoned thus. Broadhead hurries out of the dormitory and makes straight for the study hall. When he gets to the study hall, he is in a great hurry, for he doesn't even have time to get his coat, which I saw him hang up just before he went to bed. He is nervous and afraid of being caught. Otherwise, he'd have taken that coat, as it wouldn't have taken him two seconds of time. Now, when he opens the box, he turns the key with his right hand, because he's right-handed. He opens the lid with his left, takes out the handkerchief of money with his left, and drops it into his left-hand pocket and hurries away. If he didn't do that, he ought to have done it anyhow. Therefore, it's probable that the money is still there. Here Percy, before acting upon his hypothesis, breathes a short prayer. He is beginning to suffer from the cold night air, and sharp pains are shooting through his bare feet. Then suddenly, he gives Broadhead a jerk that throws him on his right side, dives into his left-hand pocket, and with a cry of joy, brings out the handkerchief, just as he saw it last night in Tom Playfair's hands. He makes no pause to examine it, but springing to his feet, dashes at full speed back toward the college. He has cleared 20 yards before Broadhead arises. As he patters on, a few stones pass by him. For Broadhead, satisfied that he is no match for Percy in speed, is contented to throw stones. The robber has been robbed. When Percy got to a safe distance, he fell into a walk and then noticed that his feet were covered with blood. Before he reached the college, he was hardly able to walk at all. With pain and exceeding difficulty, he made his way to the infirmary and was there kept for a week. He had Tom by his side the next morning, and there, under strict secrecy, related his adventure and restored his astonished friend the money. None of the Dodgers, save Tripp, knew till long afterward what a strange midnight adventure had been brought about by their $20. The story leaked out gradually, though Percy absolutely and constantly refused to talk of it in public. Broadhead never returned. End of chapter 22